Welcome to MGO Podcast 13.27. I wanted this podcast just to be five minutes of me cooking eggs with Dave, but Dave's on vacation, so we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Welcome to a special bonus summertime episode of the MGO podcast. We have a lot of things to talk about, like uh, the Tour de France. Uh, the, the Tour de Corn. This what? Is, uh, <laughs> my dad is always an agricultural consultant, and they drive through all the cornfields in France. And so in the process, he actually gets a pretty good snapshot of like how corn's doing that year. And they actually you know make... it's a bike race, right? Yes. Yes. And they, but as they're so, doing yeah. it, they shoot, they're, they're riding through all, through all the cornfields of, yeah. of France, right? So you yeah. actually get a really solid snapshot of what corn looks like. And they actually, that goes into like their crop reports. Like they, they can actually decide how corn's going to do in the next crop report based off of that. So your dad's job is basically like the guy from Trading Spaces who gave them like the oranges report. My dad kind of invented that job. Yeah. Oh um, wow. Yeah. My, my my brother does it now. Yeah. He used he started as a farmer. But anyway, I don't think we're here to talk about. <laughs> no, this is my dad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. We could talk all right, about all right. football, we'll, dad. We'll- We'll How about our sponsors? About... Do you want to talk about our sponsors? Oh, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's talk about our lovely sponsors. The MGO Podcast is sponsored by Underground Printing. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the start. They have three retail locations in Ann Arbor and offer thousands of University of Michigan athletic products. Check out UGPMichiganApparel.com or find our stuff at MGOBlogStore.com. We also want to thank all of our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, HomeSure Landing, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Signal Wire from the Cheap Seats, which is the Sklar Brothers Podcast, and Prentice 4M, where we usually are. They're uh, they're building the new thing. Yeah, we're I, lucky it used I, to be. I can see it going up, and I'm like, when is that going to be open so I can go inside? Anyway, so we, we have to start off with some sad news. Former Michigan head coach Gary Moeller passed away at the age of 81 last week. Um, and to me, like, I, I was like in like the peak annoyance age when Gary Muller was the head coach. <laughs> like, I remember being like, ah, come on, this guy. <laughs> um, You're like, what, 15, like 14 16? or something? Yeah. 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 It's that time where everybody's a jerk all the time. Alex was that age like last year. So right. <laughs> he's got that going for him. <laughs> um, but, you know, in, in retrospect, uh, Gary Muller was a pretty important step in the modernization of Michigan football. Like under Bo, you know, Bo didn't stray from triple option until the 80s and still had a very run-focused approach. And under Gary Moeller, Michigan really opened up the offense, I think, for the first time in its history with middling results. Um, 
but he also left the program in such a state that in 1997, a couple of years after he got fired, he was, I mean, the program was in good enough shape to win a national title. So, and then he was the Lions coach for a little bit, and he's the most successful Lions coach in history. <laughs> this, is, this is very true. And he got fired because uh, Matt Millen wanted to bring in Marty Morningwig, but I mean, we're, there's... And I, if, there's, <laughs> if there's a better endorsement of your potential as a football coach than Matt Millen wanted to fire you, I haven't heard one. <laughs> very true. But man, like, I, I remember, because I fell in love with Michigan like in like the early nineties, right? Like that was the, that, that was that kid time where I was like 10, 11 years old when you just, you know, the, your mind gets blown and all of a sudden you need to know everything about this. Um, and it was really kind of his teams are doing it. Like, like the throwing to Desmond Howard was not something Bo was really doing very much. Like there might be like a play action pass late in the game, but like, unless, unless he had to, he was not going to be running, he was not going to be throwing. He's not going to be going for it on fourth down. Like that wide open football that I kind of mentally associated with Michigan because I didn't remember the bow era very much except for like it being the game on TV. You have kind to be of. the only person in history who's like the wide open football I associated with Michigan. <laughs> this is very true. But like that's that was the age I got to. But like I as from coming from a history perspective now, right? Like I've spent I've talked to a lot of his old players and stuff. The the level to which he actually did that goes back way further and was way deeper. Like he there you notice there's a major difference between the way Bo coached versus the way Woody coached. And some of that transition was bringing this young guy on his staff, um played linebacker for him at Ohio State, was a successful high school coach, and he was kind of like the Ron Bellamy of Ohio coaches when Bo hired him. Like, everyone was like, you got to hire this dude. And he's like, well, yeah, I get it. It's my old butt. I remember that guy. He was my linebacker. Um, and he was only, I think, at Miami two years before they came to Michigan. So he was like a super young guy. And he was like the, the future head coach on staff. And he, he coached defensive ends he coached the he was defensive coordinator then i mean he goes to illinois become the head becomes the head coach bo told him make sure they give you five years they only gave him three he comes back to michigan he's the quarterback's coach now he's switching on the other side of the uh the team and he goes back to defensive coordinator um when uh, Bill McCartney left and then obviously becomes the head coach. But throughout that time, he was kind of the young guy on staff, the, the, the guy who was innovating, their best uh, recruiter. Uh, and even into that 99, you mentioned, like, they set up the national championship. Those are all his guys. Like, Tom Brady was a guy that, you know, was recruited when he was the head coach. Like, that whole 1995 class, Charles Woodson, without – Gary Moeller recruited Charles Woodson as well. So, I mean, everyone from, like, Rick Leach all the way to Woodson, all those great players in Michigan had, uh, Gary Moeller was directly responsible for recruiting those guys. And so, I, I, like, there's a big question of, like, what if, right? Like, what what if Michigan had not fired him over one drunken night at the Excalibur? And, you know, there's... Uh, one, you know, it probably could have been the same, right? Like there was, he had two four loss seasons, and Michigan had another two four loss seasons before the national championship uh, one. But you know, it also could have been a lot better. He was, uh, they lost half that '95 class when they lost him. They uh, recruited well under Carr, but not as well as they did under Moeller. And you know, they made Fred Jackson the offensive coordinator. So it, it. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, we love Fred Jackson around here, but it was it was it was a come down, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's the most emblematic molar thing to me is, of course, the fourth and one pass to Desmond Howard against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Sapp actually put together a video of the ABC feed with the coach's video that the coach's audio. Uh, so why don't we play that for you as, as like the quintessential Gary Moeller moment. You know what we're going to do right now? He's going to throw it to Desmond and Desmond's going to score a touchdown. Jerry, should I be kicking a field goal? If he drops this ball... So, <laughs> so he was the Michigan coach who called a pass on fourth and one against Notre Dame, and also the Michigan coach who's like, "Should I be kicking a field goal?" Here? <laughs> <laughs> Which is <laughs> like, yeah, Gary Moeller moved Michigan forward, but he was still Michigan man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you get that sort of dichotomy, which I think defines the program pretty well. Rest in peace, Gary. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of HomeShare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use HomeShare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, equal housing lender. 
Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO Blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO Blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Hey, yo, yo, y'all can't stand right here. In his right hand was your man's worst nightmare. Loud enough to burst his right ear on close range. The game is not only dangerous, but it's most strange. I sell rhymes like dimes. The one who mostly keep cash, but brag about the broken time. Joker rhymes like the issue just having to see me trick. Classical slapstick, rappers need chapstick. A lot of them sound like they're in a talent show, so I give them something to remember like the Alamo. Tally-ho, a high joker like Space Game. Came back for five years, laying the stage, the same set. Electromagnetic. Feel it blocks all logic spot and G-Shocks a biological clock When I hit it slid it to the shit I thought I killed a goose Her power use was pure brittle water filter juice Keep a pen like a fiend keep a pipe with him Gentleman who lent a pen to a friend who write with him Never seen this shit again but he's still my dunny The only thing that come between us is krillin' money In other minor news The Big Ten has added USC and UCLA starting in 2024 was it or 25? 2024 25 is the SEC And Obviously, a seismic move, a strange move that takes the Big Ten to 16 teams. And everybody in college football is thinking, what now? It looks like the Pac-12, the Pac-10 now is deciding that they're just going to go keep being themselves in a conference that honestly doesn't lose that much in terms of recent performance because UCLA... And USC has been up and down, but they haven't really been at the top of the mountain since the Pete Carroll era. So just in terms of like the teams, they seem fine, but losing the LA market is financially crippling for a conference that was already, I think, being out, uh, not spent, but their distributions were approximately half of what the Big Ten was. And so the uh, financial prognosis there doesn't seem very good. It's seeing the numbers is actually really surprising, especially when like we start talking about what teams the Big Ten might add in addition. Because like if right. you're gonna bite off UCLA and USC, everyone goes, okay, well, we like Washington. <laughs> Oregon seems pretty cool. Like our football brains are like those are big programs, and then they're not bringing in like they're not even worth what it would like. I, I, I no like, and the sheer gap was the the surprising thing, right? Where like right. if. If they were going to bring in those two teams, they would be bringing in $60 million of rights, and the Big Ten is going to be distributing like 100 So they're not even close to break even, which kind of boggles the mind. Yeah. Because <laughs> like Oregon, Washington, they seem like big deals. But one of the things that really hurt the Pac-12 is that they just never got the ratings mm-hmm. because a lot of their games are late at night. The West Coast has excellent weather and many things to do. It's not like Iowa, where you got Iowa football and Iowa basketball and Iowa wrestling, and you got a USHL team, and you got the state fair. 
No, there's stuff to do in L.A. Um, they can watch so, Viking and people and, and look at the corn. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I don't know. Like if you're at 16, you might as well just go to 20. And then so my cockamamie idea was just like get some West Coast teams, make that the Big Ten West and then play the championship game at the Rose Bowl. Because like what? Like that's the only way the Rose Bowl is ever going to be the Rose Bowl again, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the whole. I mean, to, to the college football brain, it makes no sense. The only reason it makes any sense whatsoever is if you're just looking at it from a pure, a pure how much money can we bring in standpoint. And then there's, but like, <laughs> do we? I, I college football never works like that. But I mean. <laughs> The, how much are we? What are we getting out of this? Like, is, is they're not going to make the the tickets any cheaper? They're not going to make. I mean, as as fans, what are we getting out of it? Yeah, like, what, isn't what the money coming from the fans? Maryland and Rutgers, we didn't get anything. Like, that's it depends on how much you buy the Lincoln Riley thing. Because if you're adding USC with the assumption they're going to be a top five power again and ready and competing for the playoff, it's a big win for the conference and it's a it's i guess it's a win for the conference but just speaking as like a person who likes it when michigan wins stuff like it doesn't really bring a whole lot in that regard right because like back when the big 10 was 10 teams and you got three you got shared titles you could win a title like every other year basically and and now it's like well michigan's won for the first time in 17 years or something so like i mean i guess i get the idea that like if you put usc in the west and they come up then the Big Ten championship game ceases being a walkover pretty much every year. That, I guess, brings a little bit more juice to it, more meaning. But I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, it's just, do we really want another team? Like, as a, as a fan, like, I, I love the idea of going out to UCLA or USC, but I think, we, like, I would love to do that in a non-conference setting. And then, like, I, I like playing Illinois. I like... Even if you know that's not Illinois, yes, like, <laughs> like a, 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 yes, Illinois is my example for a reason. All right, because they're they're not like a a marquee game, right? You're not gonna Michigan Illinois is not gonna get national eyes. But I know people who went to Illinois. I have you know I can drive to see Michigan at Illinois. I, there's you know are, we will have arguments in the in the stands over a basketball game that Illinois fans and I both have had in common like there's you have that commonality between regional schools especially regional schools that have been in a conference for a long time that gives those games value to fans that they don't have on TV it's the same just like you know Washington makes sense to me even if it doesn't make sense financially so I, I that's that, that's what I think that's not being talked about very much because like Big Ten fans are like woo Big Ten teams are going to make more money because we want our teams to be making more money, but I mean that really? is how much is how much is this really doing for us? Like I I feel like at one point the fans are going to just be treated like NFL fans. Like here here's your team, go root for it. Uh, I think we're a little further. I feel we're further down that path than you do. I guess. I mean the one thing that. I, would kind of move the needle personally is if this reconfiguration forces Notre Dame into the Big Ten. Sure. Like, that that would be a, a win big enough to me that I'd be like, sure, we'll go we'll go ahead with this. But if you do go to 20 teams, and you have two, con- we have two divisions of 10 teams each, and you're playing nine, like, you're not going to see the other half of the conference. Like, period. 
yeah. unless you're just <laughs> doing away with non-conference games. And honestly, at this point, I would be fine with that. Yeah. If you have a 20-team Big Ten, I'm like, all right, let's make 12 conference games. You have nine in your division. You play three guys in the other division, and that's that's your schedule. Because, I mean, what are, Michigan's playing Hawaii and Colorado State and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> just... I mean, this year's a particularly like, bad example, but well, and let's you get like occasional good matchups. Like Oklahoma was on the schedule. I don't know if they are anymore, but those games get canceled so much that it's really hard to put any credence on. Like, oh yeah, we're going to play this team down the road. And if you do go to this twenty-team format, the cross-divisional games are going to be against like Iowa or USC, Notre Dame. Those are going to be games I would rather play than an SEC team or any cupcake. And then you're like, okay, but the stadium has to have six home games every year. I mean, seven home games every year. Otherwise we fall apart financially. You can't make that argument when you just scooped up two LA schools so that you could increase your payout to like 10 times what it was 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. So it kind of feels like to me, like one way to rescue part of this is give people better games because right now I mean, I'm not really looking forward to any of the first four games because you have the three non-conference cupcakes and then you have a home game against Maryland. Yeah, we, so we have Hawaii at night, which I, I think the Colorado State game, no, it was the Hawaii game that was supposed to be a, uh, a a UCLA game. So that was one of those ones that was canceled. Ironically, like what we lost <laughs> was, was was a home and home. Yeah, yeah like what what are they? What are they doing when they they're like, all right, we'll play UCLA, and then the date approaches, and they're like, nah. Like, was, what was the purpose of all of that? Like, it was the home game thing, and also like it's hard it's hard to get to the playoffs because they, as much as they're not supposed to do it, they absolutely care more about record than they care about uh, you know what teams you beat. So if you go through an entire Big Ten season and you have two losses, that is going to knock you out of the playoffs, whereas if you go through a seven-game conference season and have one loss, you're probably in the playoffs, even if you replaced like three Iowa-level teams with three cupcakes and you lost to one of those Iowa-level teams. And that happens. College football, random things happen. You're going to lose if you play more games like that, and you're adding more losses to your conference in total. And I think that's that plus the home game thing is what it came down to. And the Maybe the playoff is part of the problem. Maybe the idea of having a playoff at the end of the season where you're everyone's playing disparate schedules and then like some committee gets to decide who goes, it's I mean they're usually doing a good job of finding those four, but I think that those programs have learned to create schedules that are going to get them there, especially teams like, you know, Clemson did not play the same level of schedule that Ohio State did to get to all those playoff games. I mean, I think the size of the playoff might be a problem. Like, if we did have a 12-team playoff, I think they would people would be more open to the idea that you can shoot your shot and not completely tank your season in week one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm. I think I, I've heard from coaches in the past too, and I and I believe that's true that they probably could use one game a season where you just get a cupcake. Like, if they want to go to 10 games or. 11 games in conference, right? And then just save one game for your go play your Eastern or whatever. Like, that's fine. Well, I mean, so the the thought I had was that you could have like a 13th game that's like your season opener that's against the MAC team or whatever. And it doesn't, it's a preseason game. Like, it doesn't count. 
mm-hmm. you get the whole NFL preseason thing where you see your starting quarterback for like two drives and then you rotate through. Because people, the main objection to adding a game is that, okay, we're asking these guys to do more, take more chance of injury, and we're still not paying them at all. That's been blunted somewhat by NIL. Um, but if you do have a preseason game, you get your you get to gouge your fans for another full price <laughs> ticket. Um, and you can sort of mute that uh, thought about, well, it's too much work for, for the, the players. Yeah. I know that there's going to be um, like a lot of, uh, a lot of non-Power 5 teams are going to be upset. And I say non-Power 5 because I include, you know, F- uh, FCS teams that, fill those spots as well like those are humongous deals for their athletic departments and that's kind of what's driven this a little bit too is that you can you play one game at michigan that kind of funds your season so it's i mean it's gonna as much as michigan is like oh no i'd rather play you know another game against illinois like uconn it would suck if they lost that game (laughs) (laughs) i don't really have any sympathy for UConn. (laughs) like uconn football is the single stupidest idea in the history of football programs for one UConn football. And for two, they were out of the big East for forever Uh huh. because like the big East reformed as a basketball conference. And everybody is like, UConn should be in this conference. And they had to be in like the AAC or something. Right. Because they had a football program. So UConn basketball was playing like South Florida and conference games and basketball. It was, yeah, it was an abomination. Yeah. So, I mean, that's UConn may not be the best example, but like that's that that's one of those realities in college football right now that keeping the I maybe that's just wrong. Maybe they should maybe we shouldn't be holding up all these smaller programs. But I know it's a big deal for all those schools. Uh, and if you I maybe if you hold it to one, I think you can still kind of do that for enough schools, and you don't have to do it for all the schools. Like one of the reasons Sun Belt teams have been jumping up to or sorry one of the reasons fcs teams have been hopping up to the Sun Belt, even programs that really don't belong there was because they've been playing so many games against the sec because the sec had a eight game conference schedule so like they they barely ever see each other in the sec even though they're quote all a conference and right like those programs use that sec money to raise themselves to quote fbs even though i don't think i'll ever see old dominion in the playoffs ever yeah, I mean, honestly, if FBS ends up shedding a bunch of teams as a result of all this, is that a bad thing necessarily? I don't necessarily think so. It's kind of just the way things have been done, right? Like they created Division One, and then a bunch of schools moved up to Division One, so they create Division One A, and then a bunch of schools move up to that, and so then like, okay, now we're gonna have a Power Five, and you know, like every time we make a division, a bunch of schools are trying to knock down the doors, but. College football, more or less, has been the same schools for 100 years. You know, once in a while, you get like a Florida State that jumps up out of nowhere, and now they're a big program. But, I mean, that's rare enough that there's room for it to happen if a program really wants to, if school really wants to do that. Yeah, we did this on TK, but I would be interested to hear Alex's take. Alex, let's say the Big Ten's going to 20. What four schools do you want to add? Well, Notre Dame has to be one. And then... I still like the Oregon-Washington idea just because of the softball-baseball <laughs> potential, but uh, you also get some decent football, and Oregon's been good in basketball in the past. 
So also doesn't like getting the Phil Knight team probably say that's worth something, right? Yeah, I think so. We well, got um, one more. Let's go with Virginia. Oh, keep Virginia. our Big Ten academics credentials good. We uh, potential basketball if Tony Bennett gets back on track. Yeah, that's interesting, and it is a it is a market that Michigan isn't in right now. So, I mean, the Big Ten. I mean, they are with Maryland. That's kind of you're when you talk to is Virginia, just, you're talking about the DC market, really, right? Oh uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, the problem with that is like the ACC, they have that grant of rights that goes until I think 2035 or six. So the ACC seems likely to hang together just because it's, I don't know if you're going to be able to wriggle out from under that for a long time. But that's the, those are three of the teams that we picked. And then we went with Stanford instead of Virginia, which is pretty much the same. The same right. vibe, right? <laughs> let's let's get some smart guys in here while we're at it. Well, well I, they, Stanford and, gets you Notre Dame too, right? Like that, right? Yeah, that was it. also like, yeah, like Stanford, USC, UCLA in a, in a division. Notre Dame's probably perking up their ears at that, right? And at that point, so. we've gotten all of their rivals. Like, there's nobody left that Notre Dame can be like, no, we need to play somebody every year outside. Well, of Navy, they're going to be like, oh, we got to play Navy. <laughs> Invite all your friends. Come on, Notre Dame. Just, just bring them. Right, bring those guys in too. That almost happened years ago. There was, there was actually almost a, a, a conference made out of, uh, I think Notre Dame and Army and Navy. And like it, 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 it all it fell through. But it was like came really close at one point. It's one of the the big what if scenarios in college football history. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've expended all of our hot takes on expansion and other matters. So we're going to take a break. Come back and talk about. Football recruiting. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. Now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. During these challenging times, it is important to have a Michigan man in your corner. If you or someone in your life has questions, concerns, or just want to discuss your legal rights, give attorney Jonathan Paul a call at 248-924-9458 or visit his website, michiganlawgrad.com. John asks you all to be safe. We're going to get through this together. And as always, go blue. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. 
Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage it with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for return lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. say that the panic has subsided but michigan has been picking up a number of solid four-star commits in recent weeks that have taken their class from like what's going on here to tracking towards sort of a disappointing level of michigan class but not a disastrous one and uh then they're just picking up every guy who's six foot five and 285 pounds in europe just wandering the streets looking for the guys who can't play soccer uh they might actually literally be taking a tape measure to people's arms and just be like oh you you can play defensive end for us so i I can't i can't help but think well yeah if they can't get nil then there's a level playing field for every belgian guy who's really into lifting weights under overpasses I think what you're really seeing with recruiting is that some coaches on this staff are pulling their weight and other coaches are not. Um, The offensive line is sagging quite a bit, but the defensive line really good right now. Uh, Mike Elston has been strong at both defensive end and defensive tackle, and there's more upside there. But some of the spots on the offensive side need a little bit of work, and I think the class is going to look a little funky. I think there will be positions we really like, the crop they bring in, and I think there'll be positions that kind of feel like a whiff in a missed year. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that that go beyond NIL. So Michigan loses both coordinators. You have Harbaugh flirting heavily with the NFL. You have a lot of turnover with guys who aren't coaches but are in the recruiting subsection of, of the building. And uh, so it's, it's combining that with an uh, approach to NIL that I think Seth accurately called either was it naive beyond belief <laughs> yeah, something like that um and you you, you get a recipe for just like I, they're not going to be able to get guys who george is going after or ohio state's going after and they're just 
going to be hamstrung until they, I guess, wise up. I don't know if they're going to wise up. I, I don't think that there's any. I think Michigan really is waiting for some sort of rules that every that they're that everyone's going to then break, of course. But that's kind of what they've always done. It's like, okay, what are the rules? Let's do what we can based off of those. And right now there are no rules, so they are super afraid to go and do something that they're going to have to go back on. Like they they don't want to recruit and who's who's getting. Th- $3 million promised to him to come here, even if he's getting $5 million promised to go somewhere else because they think it's going to mess up their locker room. They think that's going to not be the case in the future. And they're trying to make the case that your NIL at Michigan is going to be so much better uh, in general that like once you're here, it's like you can, they can promise you all they want to, but you're still going to you know, be fine if you come to, if you come to Michigan. They've been making that case better recently than they have before. It helps that they now have some of their collectives off the ground, whereas before it was just kind of talk. But they're definitely behind other schools at getting these collectives off the ground, obviously, because the other schools kind of were doing it on their own before, even before the rules didn't exist, um, or when the rules actually said they couldn't do it. But also because their recruiting peers are not acting this way. And I think that's what's really concerning is that if Notre Dame and Penn State, who are two schools that have basically recruited similarly to Michigan and recruit out of the same pool, right? Those guys are usually interested in academics uh, as much as uh, athletics and they're looking at degrees and they're um, they're not like going after the five stars that Georgia gets always, right? Sometimes they're in those battles. But I would say that those are our kind of our recruiting peers. Uh, both of them are way beyond where we are. Both of them are very blatantly offering guys money and, and talking to them in those terms. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 if that's happening and Michigan knows it's happening and they know, they lo- they know they're losing guys to that, I can't see why they are comfortable being different than schools that they've always kind of been comfortable being the same as. I mean, at this point, I don't really even know what to say. Like, I thought... You know, I thought NAL was going to be a boon for Michigan because it would level the playing field, and Michigan just declined. They're like, <laughs> they're like, uh, I would rather not. Their Bartleby the football program, and I'm just like, what are you going to do? You, you go to the games and you hope they win, and you rumble about it afterwards, and that's that's life. Do you think this is long term though? Do you think that they're going to be different than their peers for this? For I, I, I figured it was going to be like one or two cycles at most. I don't know. I mean, Harbaugh is very weird and very stubborn, and no one's going to hire Harbaugh at this point. Like, if he was going to get hired by the NFL, it probably would have already happened. He's going to have to have a lot of success at the college level to get NFL teams interested again, not just a one-off. He's trying to fight with one arm tied behind his back. He's a good enough football coach that he won't be fired. Like they'll still get good players. They'll still be a good program. They'll still win a significant number of games. Um, But yeah, I I feel like it's as long as Harbaugh is going to be around here, like that's one of the most stubborn people to ever lived. And he doesn't operate like other people do. And he doesn't really feel a lot of pressure to follow the herd. So I kind of feel like this is just what it's going to be. And it's not like Michigan is refusing any and all NIL stuff. I mean, you have Dickinson getting a bunch of money. You have other guys who have deals. I mean, there were just a bunch of helicopters flying around the town because the army was (laughs) using the football program as a, as like a, advertising platform which i'm sure the academic half of the university is like 
totally stoked about. That's <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah, this this feels good and right. And there's no conflict in this area at all. Anyway, um, so I kind of feel like you shouldn't overstate what's going to happen. Like Michigan is not completely ignoring NIL. They don't have their head their heads completely in the sand. Um, but I do think that they are going to be hampered, and I do think they are going to be hampered long term. I don't think that they're the only school doing what they're doing. I, but there, there are a lot of other coaches who are. Yeah, but the other know, schools doing what they're doing are probably like Stanford and Virginia. Exactly. Like Notre Dame isn't doing it. Notre Dame's like hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, Notre like, Dame just. I mean, I don't know if maybe they were they were lucky that Kelly takes that LSU job when he does. Well, that put Freeman in charge, and Freeman, you know, he comes out of the Ohio State program that was cheating their heads off. Back when you know when he was playing, well, I, I don't so necessarily he, know if that's it. He's like a young black coach, very charismatic, and like, can you imagine what would happen if you had a staff that was put together that was recruiting pretty well, like Notre Dame did, and then you removed Brian Kelly and everything <laughs> else stayed the same? It's very like fair. on one lo- on one level, it's not that much of a surprise that Notre Dame's recruiting exploded after. Probably the most unlikable coach. In yes, D1. yes, and no. But I, I, I get the story. You know, I guess Dabo Swinney is is worse. But yeah, I, I pretty much up there. He's got. I, I, I mean, he never Dabo Swinney never killed a kid. <laughs> okay, but he's really annoying. Like we're not we're not talking about like morals and ethics. We're just talking about like ooh, this guy walks into your living room and like. Where did you like just spray him down with with fabric softener? I don't I don't know why you would do that, but that's what I'm thinking currently. But we I think we've gotten a little bit off track. <laughs> I don't know. I was about to go into fabric softener. Um, uh, but you know, what I was trying to say is that Michigan actually is doing a pretty good job on the back end. So like once you're here, they actually they have some really smart things lined up um, and they're they have some really big money guys who are involved and are ready to, to do this. They were just kind of waiting for the system and waiting for Michigan to tell them how to do it. So guys who are on campus already are actually probably in better shape than maybe anyone else in the Big Ten. I don't know how Ohio State's doing as far as like for their team, but because so much of that money has been diverted for recruiting, they might actually even be under what like the standard Michigan player gets. Uh, so they're they're not doing a bad job, and it's going to help them uh, versus like the Stanfords and whatnot because that is actually going to be higher. It's just their decision to not use it in recruiting is really damaging them uh, in the on the recruiting front. So like, I, I it, it it's a question of when do they realize that they are missing out on so much talent that it's not going to be worth what they're not going to be able to get this kind of money. Like it might be a long-term problem, not a short-term problem. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is at this point. Do we want to talk about the individual recruits a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, Alex has been kind of covering them. I've been kind of working on <laughs> the, uh, the 2022 still. So I, I noticed they all have long arms. <laughs> Yeah, that's the theme right now. Um, we've gotten a couple down the pike. Uh, hellos, I still haven't gotten to to, to cover, but um, Collins Achimpong, I believe is the pronunciation. Um, but uh, he committed uh, last week, um, originally from Ghana, now plays uh, high school football in California. 
but not really <laughs> because he played as a freshman and then they had back-to-back years of cancellations um, where they didn't play in the COVID year and then didn't they only did seven on seven the next year. So he hasn't played in a long time. But the, the combo of testing and, and wingspan for him is phenomenal. Um, so it's, it's a very raw package, but uh, fits exactly the mold. And it's, it's really Ojabo-like in that way. And more specifically, it's Ojabo-like, but it's in a Hutchinson-sized body. He's 6'7 or 6'8, depending on who you talk to. Um, so that's a pretty intriguing skill set. And then... Uh, just on Friday, Kumba from France commits. He's 6'4", but with a 7'1 wingspan. And he was a guy that Mike Elston saw uh, over in in uh, a camp, but he's from France, obviously, so they haven't seen him very much. But from the moment Elston saw him uh, only about a month ago in a camp, he was like, we got to get this guy in the class as fast as possible before anybody else. I think the only other offers at that time were like Georgia Tech. Um, and so before anybody else rolled in, uh, they needed to get him in the class. And then Enau Edda is the third edge they've gotten, and, and he's a little bit different, uh, less sort of raw athleticism. But those three have all rolled in in about the last week, uh, in addition to, to Brooks Barr as well at defensive tackle. So who's, who's selling point, by the way, at three tech is also the arm length. So, yeah, yeah, you're missing uh, out on one because while we, since we started recording, actually, we wish you can get another in Manuel Bagel, who's an, another, yeah. another foreign national, um, and another huge long arms dude, uh, who, uh, by the way, whoever is making some of these edits, we need to we need to find this person and tell them to stop using that Wolverine carrying the flag picture. Like, there, Michigan does not have a mascot. I, I I don't know why this guy keeps on finding this stupid picture, but like we, we he needs to be told about this. Oh, that's actually something Michigan State put together at some point. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I don't know how, how many we're going to be like the St. Mary's of college football at this rate. Just all foreigners hanging out. I mean, if foreigners can't get NIL, good at stuff. then where would you rather go, right? If you're not allowed to participate in this humongous windfall of football and you still want to play in America, I mean, Michigan I mean, seems it like... Does, it does kind of feel like you're taking a lot of wild shots. And that's like, I get that for... You know, it's a transition class or whatever, and you're just trying to get people in the door and see if some of them can hit. But that's not great in year what seven of Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've already discussed this. It's a little bit disappointing. All right, we're gonna take a break. Come back and talk about some coaching moves, or in one case, confusing lack of anything. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or app 
application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, the video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute, they will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs, original geeks of programmable communication. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Hey, so I have, like, insurance and stuff, but I don't really, like, know what's going on with it. Yeah, you- it, your your coverage probably sucks, and you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because I had a guy, uh, he's a, uh, his name's Phil Klein, he's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance, and he was like, yeah, your coverage sucks, and you're paying a lot more than you need to for it. I also, like, I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads them go blog? Well, how would I do that? <laughs> they have a website. They have one of those too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together and you will save money on your insurance and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto and they do life too. All right. So you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein insurance, this, this website will come up. Yes. Wonders never cease. Stars above, I get too much, my heart ain't strong. And up on me, I can't keep up, my heart ain't strong enough. You guys will have to forgive me because I'm very rusty. Scores! Seth! I need takes so hot they could be a temperature in continental Europe right now murdering a lot of old people because they don't have air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Ah! <laughs> That's pretty it. sad.
Still got it, probably. Still got it. Thanks. Give him a minute. I, Give him thanks. a minute. I gotta <laughs> let the let the blood rush back to the rest of his body. <laughs> All right. That. All right. Here we go. Seth, give me your hottest take. My take is no more contracts for head coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> think about this right now. Let's compare Jim Harbaugh, Juwan Howard, and Mel Pearson. All right, who's the best mm-hmm. recruiter right now? Mel Pearson. Mel Pearson. Who's dominating mm-hmm. his sport better than any other program? Michigan or Mel Pe- Michigan? Yeah. Mel Pearson. Mel Pearson. Mm-hmm. Right. Who's the most likely to win a national championship in the next two years? Mel Pearson. Who's not coaching yeah. with a contract right now? Mel Pearson. Mel Pearson. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, so I. Uh, <laughs> he, he only recently stopped having a contract. So. But he was only on a one-year contract last year, too. So he was kind of, you know, it was pretty up in the air last year as well. And last year was, I mean, arguably the best team out of the major sports in Michigan. Uh, maybe. I mean, they were the number one overall seed in the tournament. And then who didn't win. So, well, single I mean, elimination playoff hockey. What are you going to do? Get and the wrong bounce and, and lost in overtime on a weird bounce. So, all right. Yes. All right. But would have well, contracts right. saved that? No. Uh, no. That's no. a good point. Good point. Uh, Randy, give me your hottest take. Okay. With UCLA joining the Big Ten, the best rivalry in all of sports will be the UCLA women's gymnastics against Michigan women's gymnastics, eclipsing Michigan versus Ohio State in football. Breathe. Not bad. That's yeah, I. There was that. There was the lady who had the uh, viral floor routine. She was from Caitlin, UCLA. Caitlin Ohashi. Yeah. Yes. Who bounced so hard on her pubis that it hurt everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that's I, the first time the word pubis has been spoken in 13 years of this podcast. We had a good run. We had a good run. But good now night, it's over. Good night, Good night, Let's retire it. No, but I mean, it's going to be an amazing rivalry. I actually went to go see a UCLA regular season. Took my daughter to see the gymnastics uh, competition here at Poly Pavilion. First of all, it was packed, packed, and it was so much fun. And I do believe that you now have two of the best programs in all of college sports for that sport in the same conference. You're going to see them play each other, and it's just going to be awesome. I'm very excited. Yeah, there's a couple other ones. Like, uh, I wonder what is going to happen to like the softball programs at UCLA and USC. Because yeah. like, the Michigan, I mean, the Big Ten's a pretty good softball conference, but those are two elite programs, especially UCLA. If UCLA. Yeah. UCLA is amazing, but you might be able to recruit in such a way as like you get to play UCLA in conference. You want a chance to show how good you can be against the best. Like you might be able to recruit up to that level. Jason, give me your hottest take. Okay. Part of Michigan's NIL pitch should be that they should reveal how much taxes other players will have to pay on their giant NIL checks at other schools. (laughs) (laughs) So just good accounting. $9 million right away. You're not going to see $9 million, brah. You're going right. to make about four point eight million dollars. Yeah, I mean that's a really good point. And then you'd be like, you know, Michigan does have an income tax, but Texas doesn't. Mm-hmm. So come to Michigan. No, ah, I don't know. About that. <laughs> All right, so maybe that's not ideal. But I do think we do need to like calm down and be like, hey, you're going to make money over time, and you won't pay as much taxes, as much luxury taxes on a giant check. How about that? 
I'm just trying to come up with other ways for us to offset these. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely a good point. You should tell them, like, maybe they're, like, libertarians and they don't want Uncle Sam to get a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. So Michigan will corner the libertarian football player market. Which, which libertarian? We got. We'll get every libertarian five star out there <laughs> from from rural Colorado. Well, sure, Idaho. We're in. We're in Idaho right now. Yeah, Dude, Idaho is a hotbed. We get these two upcoming recruits from Idaho, and that is suddenly the pipeline right there. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the pipeline that goes straight up to Alaska. I'm talking about the pipeline that goes to Michigan. <sighs> All right. Here's here's mine. It's time for promotion and relegation in college sports. I am so with this. 100%. Like, you got a 20-team Big Ten. You can't play anybody else in your conference. Like, you play your division, and that's it. And And then your division is like Rutgers and Maryland, and you got like Northwestern and stuff in there. And it's just... How great would it be if Nebraska got relegated? But the problem is, Brian... The the, the the 20 stays the same because you relegate a few and then you promote a few too. Well, yeah, no. So instead of like, it's like 10 and 10. So there's like Big Ten Division One. Oh, okay. I got you. Two. Got and it. then you got a conference championship game at the end of the year. And you also get to have a game between like the third place team and in B and the the seventh the eighth place team in A to see who gets promoted and or relegated. Well, that is fascinating. And then the the championship league, which is the League Two, will be sponsored by like Pepsi Clear or something like that. like the <laughs> Pepsi Clear Champion Big Ten Championship Division. Why, why are you going back to like 1995 for your reference? Clear Pepsi? <laughs> Clear Pepsi? I don't know. I mean, it's the Coca Cola right League in, in Premier League Soccer, but we can't get that, so you got to go something. Yeah. Different. So, but but like it it solves a lot of problems. And then like, it does. Rutgers gets to play like teams that like won't beat at 78 to nothing. Mm-hmm. Illinois, I guess we care about them for some reason. Uh, what, what's going to happen with Northwestern? Because don't they go back and forth every year between nine and three and three and nine? Like what? what's going on? Be, like, are they going to be relegated and right? going back and forth every year? Or are they going to go yeah. nine and three and three and nine, but stay? Uh, uh, you know, what, it's, well, if you go three and nine, you're probably getting relegated Yes. Yeah, you're gone. Yeah, oh, you're man, going down. But then got the next after last season, it would so. Yeah, fast. but like Indiana, Indiana, that's a team that's been on the rise, and then they had a lot of injuries and a pretty bad. Yeah, I'm. Luck last I'm not year. saying it's fair. No. I, I there there is a possibility that you might get like a really good team in Big Ten B, and they don't get to play for conference championship. Maybe that's a problem. Maybe that's something where like you got to give them a shot at the end mm-hmm. of the season. I don't know, but what I, I mean, do know. Is that if you got twenty teams, you got to figure out some way to make it really a conference. And this is good. Relegation is like great really call. great. Call. Uh, and I, I would I would love to see Scott Frost just continually get relegated down to D two, then to D three, then intramural flag football. He's disappointing like the <laughs> the guys at Beta Thigh or what they Beta. And then you're like, wait, who's Nebraska playing this with this week? IMG Academy. Yeah, wow. just keep They're going. Cool in in okay. fairness, he really should have beaten uh, Mrs. Gardner's third grade class. It was not fair that like they I lost mean, that look, game. They weren't getting any calls. They got none of the calls in the yeah. second half. I and, again, and they and they blew was, the recess whistle five minutes early. Is that his fault? No. And, right. and, and, and they, Tommy can't just wet his pants in the middle of a play. Like that's just not fair. Period. 
And they hit harder. Nebraska hit harder than those third graders, and that's what really matters mm-hmm. right. in the game of football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, if you can't get enough squares, hit up their podcast view from the cheap seats. They are on Patreon. They are. Are you touring yet, guys? Are you? So no, but we. So we have big news for your fans and whatnot, which oh. is our UFC show, which is the reboot of our old show, Cheap Seats. The new show is called The Nosebleeds, and they're putting the first episode up on July 30th on UFC's YouTube page so everyone can see it for free. And then the rest of the episodes will be behind a paywall for uh, on their um, UFC Fight Pass. But, but the first episode is amazing. We take a look at UFC 1, where it all began. <laughs> 1993, 94, 93, Jane? 93, you got a Bill Wallace, who's the announcer, who belches on air. You got, for some reason, Jim Brown, who never fought MMA as one of the announcers. Yeah. Brian Kilmeade from Fox and Friends. He's the ring guy. It is insane. There is a man named Art Jimerson who fights Hoist Gracie, who is like one of the legends of, of jujitsu, fights him with one boxing glove on. <laughs> Rob Rob Cordry makes a guest appearance on what? the show. It is, it is so Rob much Cordry, He's not in there thing. In our sketch, in a sketch. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, Rob Cortry. No, no, Rob no, no, this has to happen now. Rob Cortry in MMA, just, it, it, this is something I need to see. This is a something I need in my life. Rob Cortry. 12 year old Boy Scout Rob Cortry pulls I, out a knife. No, he's I need this so like I need cheap seats with worse seats. That's what I need. So it's the, right. nosebleed. it's the nosebleeds, and it'll be on July 30th. And we'll talk about it again, but we just want to prime you guys and your listeners to check it out. I think if you love Cheap Seats, you will absolutely love this show. There's so much fun. So thank you. Finally, a reason to pay attention to UFC. Yes. Boom. <laughs> Do it. I, I, don't tell that Dana guy I said that because we won't. We okay. won't. We'll keep right. You guys will laugh stuff. hard at what we did. If you like Cheap Seats, you will love this show. All right. Well, check it out, guys. And thanks to the Squars for being on our podcast this year. We'll see you. On the flip side. Yep, of course. All right, so the last thing we want to cover is that Michigan baseball has a new coach, Tracy Smith, who built Indiana into a Big Ten power and then kind of face-planted at Arizona State. So a guy who's done it in this league before, uh, not Chris Fetter. (laughs) It's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, definitely someone who could be labeled a retread, uh, but uh, seems like a decent bet to have Michigan, you know, contending in the big 10. Now, decent bet to get him back to the Carl Wolves series. Maybe not. Yeah. I was not uh, huge on Tracy Smith when I first heard the name, because I have some, uh, some people who are affiliated with Arizona state and a lot of bridges were burned at that uh, tenure. But look, if Tracy Smith can get back to what he was at Indiana, that'd be awesome. Because the the thing that people talk about with Eric Backage, of course, is he was a great postseason coach, but he never won a Big Ten regular season title. And that was something they wanted to do, and they could never be consistent enough in the regular season. And Tracy Smith was. He won multiple regular season titles at Indiana in addition to the postseason success. Um, I mean, his last year there, they were fourth nationally. They were... Uh, uh, top seed that would have hosted a super regional if they'd made it through the first weekend. So he did an awesome job at Indiana. Uh, no question about that. I think the optimist take is that Arizona State was a little bit um, not his vibe, let's say, right? Because he got in deep 
recruiting a lot of national guys that you're not going to get at Indiana, you're not going to get at Michigan, right? He got uh, the Alika Williams, uh, Hunter Bishop, Spencer Torkelson, Torkelson these guys yeah. who were, yeah, guys who were first round MLB picks. And the reports anecdotally are that there were a lot of locker room issues, disharmony, culture problems, and that may be related to the big egos that come with MLB talent. And thankfully, you're not going to have that in the Big Ten to the same degree. So I think the optimist take is that he's a guy um, who perhaps just needs a slower pace and is more of a developmental coach, needs to not be taking these kinds of surefire MLB guys that come in with a, uh, you know, a cadre of, of pomp and circumstance with them. Um, that would be the optimist take. The pessimist take is that if he has the uh, culture problems that existed at Arizona State at Michigan, it's going to be some rough years at Ray Fisher. I know, Alex, um, I usually defer to you on all the baseball things, but I kind of believe the, uh, the the Arizona State, like just the wrong cultural fit there. Like I've, I'm, I'm basing it off of people that I know from, um, who are Arizona fans. So maybe I'm just coming from like the same, but, you know, just slightly different perspective there. Uh but like Arizona State is uh, not the place. It, it was kind of like Brian Kelly going to LSU. It's like a, it was such a obviously bad cultural fit to begin with. Like they went out to get the best coach they could. They got a guy who learned how to win in the Midwest and didn't get to do anything he wanted to do there. Now it doesn't. It's like you said. We're not going to get the level of recruits that they got at ASU. So like the kind of recruiting he did at Indiana is probably something closer to expect at Michigan. You know, one step above that because Michigan recruits a little better than Indiana. But I think that I believe people who say that the Arizona State stuff um, was probably more an Arizona State problem, or he just is not the right kind of guy for Arizona State, and have a little bit more faith in Tracy Smith just from comments inside the Michigan program that they. Apparently, he knocked the interview out of the park, um, and the players seem to be responding well to him. So those two things, I think, are at least suggestive that it's not uh, it's it's not like they just went to, like, the fifth best guy they had. Like, they really believed in this hire. All right. Well, uh, we'll see how it works out. The other not news. Uh, we still don't know what's going on with Mel Pearson. Right. It, his contract expired four months ago, thereabouts, and this investigation should be complete. I can't imagine they go into a season having an unsigned head coach, and you got to figure at this point they're not going to make a big move here. So it's either going to be Pearson or it's probably going to be an internal hire. You got to think, right? Like they won't have time for any kind of search, really. Um, and it looks like Bill McCult would be a pretty decent option. So, but <laughs> it's a very strange situation. And if I had to put money on it, I would say that whatever's in the report doesn't r- rise to the level of firing and that we're going to see Mel Pearson sign a contract extension sometime soon, along with some sort of release about what the findings were. But that's a complete guess because nobody's really heard anything. Yeah. And I think the thing for me is you cannot go into the season with him without a contract. If it's time for training camp and the players arriving for this, you know, the September workouts and getting ready preparation, if he's not, if you're not at a point where you're comfortable extending him, he needs to be put on administrative leave. Like you cannot go into a season with a coach who is just coaching for the fun of it and could be 
removed at any time, and it, it would be such a, a problem for the players that you have to get this wrapped up by the end of August or just say we're pushing it off and we're dealing with it next summer. I, I don't know what's going on, but it was easy enough to say in May when the contract expired that, you know, we got time. But now we we still have a bit of time, but it's mid-July now, and the clock's ticking. So I don't know what we do know is that uh, Rick Bancroft, the director of Hockey Ops, who was also implicated in the investigation allegations, has uh, exited the program. I'm not sure under what terms, but that happened several weeks ago when it was leaked to MLive, and yet there's been no update on Mel. So I don't really know what's going on, but I've never seen anything like this. And frankly, if college hockey was a not a niche sport, this would be one of the biggest <laughs> talking points in the college sports world to have uh, a top-tier head coach still maintained without a contract. I think we're so used to that uh, and like used to the media ecosphere around college sports that we're probably coming in on the wrong take on this because I, it seems pretty obvious what's happening is that you can't sign a contract until you have a report. Even if they've been told what's in the report, even if they have a really good idea what's coming, even if they've had a good idea of what the contract is going to entail, you cannot have a contract until you have a concrete report. This is what the report says. Here's who's named. You can't even move on. If you're going to get rid of him, you have to fire him for cause. I guess at this point they could, they could have gotten rid of him. So, I mean, it's it's pretty clear that they've been that they at least believe that the report's not going to say anything that's going to make them have to fire him. But they cannot. You can't go into that negotiation without the report. And I, I think that it's so obvious that they've been able to at least convince recruits of this because the recruiting has not stopped at all. Uh, they haven't lost any transfers to this. I mean, it's not like the program is falling apart. And like you said, it's mid-July. Those players have to make a decision what team they're going to be on, too. And they're not making that decision at the start of training camp. They'd be making that decision now. It's This is Michigan hockey summer right now. Yeah. I mean, and <clears throat> these guys all have options. They could have hopped to the OHL. Michigan did lose Hunter Brustowitz to the OHL, but kept four other first-round picks or people projected to be first-round picks. So I, I feel like... <laughs> whatever's been said has been like we got to cross some t's and dot some i's here uh but everything's going to be okay and maybe that's what'll happen (laughs) i don't know (laughs) all right uh thanks for being on guys we'll catch up with you probably when it's time to preview the football season Thank you for listening to the MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and Alex Strain. And let's go see if Halo the Victors can get out before Mel Pearson has a contract. Go! Go!